0: Hi there. My name is Philip Williams. I'm the chairman and CEO of Consolidated Uranium. We're a uranium developer with a global portfolio of projects, including past producing mines in the US, in Utah, which we're advancing back towards production.
1: Philip, thank you very much for the uh, introduction. Good to see you again. We've met in the past uh, in Southern Africa, but here we are face-to-face uh, over the, the the delightful ether. Um, <clears throat> it's nice. been a tour... Good to see you too. Um, it's been a torrid time in the market, hasn't it? We've been, we've all been living through this uh, risk-off environment, and junior mining as a whole has seen its kind of valuation beaten up a bit. And yet, countercurrent to that, the uranium price just kind of ticks along, ticks along. So it's, we're in a slightly strange place for uranium companies at the moment, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the last year has been has been difficult for equities, but as you point out, the uranium price is still. Holding in relatively strong at just around fifty dollars. It peaked at sixty about a year ago, and so uranium price down ten dollars, equities down fifty sixty percent. Uh, it's upside down as far as I'm concerned, and I think it represents a good opportunity for investors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the the uranium narrative is certainly uh, gaining credence. I, I, you've probably seen that it's uh, a nuclear industry has been classified as a as a green industry now in in the EU. So it's becoming more mainstream, um, even though it's still quite niche. Well, 100%, I mean, this, this
0: conversation about critical minerals, critical man- metals has to include uranium. And increasingly around the globe, we're seeing countries and jurisdictions uh, recognize that uranium has that place. Canada, uh, where we have some projects, has uranium on the critical minerals list. And in fact, there's incentives to explore for uranium in Canada, which is which is very positive. And I think we're going to see that happen in more of the jurisdictions that we're in going forward.
1: Now, as a company, part of your strategy has been to build a portfolio of uranium um, properties, u- uranium projects around the world. Uh, you've been pretty busy uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, you were last on Crux, I think, in July of this year. Uh, can you just, for the benefit of viewers or listeners, give a summary of what the portfolio looks like now.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're entirely right. And so when we started the company in early 2020, it was we were it was the depths of despair for uranium. But myself and and the original founders of the company, which include the the teams behind NextGen and and Mega Uranium, some names that uh, the audience might be familiar with, we sat around and we said that better times are coming for uranium. At the same time, there were projects around the world that had historic resources, lots of capital spent on them in the past, but they were sitting kind of orphaned and forgotten about. So we set about to roll up these projects into consolidated uranium. We've acquired 19 projects now around the world in in four jurisdictions, four of the better jurisdictions in our opinion for uranium, and that being Australia, Canada, the US, and Argentina. We've uh, we've been busy every year since our formation. And, and since we last spoke last July, we've acquired a number of additional projects in Australia, really bolstered that portfolio and, and brought some critical mass uh, in that country. The most, the biggest transaction that we've completed in our history, we we closed earlier this year, that was of the uh, Virginia Energy. So that was a public markets transaction that acquired that company. And it came with the Coles Hill deposit, which is located in Virginia in the United States. It's the largest undeveloped uranium project in the country, at over 160 million pounds of uranium, and uh, and so that again, that's the most significant transaction we've done to date, and significantly bolstered our uranium resource endowment in the country, in the in the company.
1: And yet, the <laughs> it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of you, you go through this acquisition, you build up your portfolio. And when the mood in the market is isn't there you it you kind of need a catalyst to get that share price moving in the right direction so um are you done now on on consolidation are you are you going to be shifting to investing in unlocking value on the existing portfolio? Or are you still on the acquisition trail?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's a bit of both and 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 you're entirely right, so I think what we've found particularly in down markets is the digesting of some of these acquisitions. Has taken a bit of a toll on the share price, and 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 where, you know, for example, in the Virginia transaction, where you had this company was a single asset, single jurisdiction company, and their shareholders have been long suffering. Quite frankly, when they came over to CUR, saw some liquidity in a bad market. I think some of them took the opportunity to exit. Um, so I think I think we'll be a lot more judicious about our acquisition strategy going forward. But we certainly see opportunities, particularly where some of the companies uh, that we're looking at or, or and that have the assets that we're looking at are depressed and looking for solutions. And I think people are recognizing that being part of a bigger, stronger uh, company, more you know able to access capital, better liquidity, better profile in the market. I think they're they're recognizing that 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 joining up with us makes a lot of sense. but I think again, we'll be more judicious. But I think your second point is is entirely accurate. We're very much focused now on unlocking the value of these of these assets that we put together because we bought them for a reason. We see tremendous value in them, particularly uh, together in the portfolio. So we're doing a lot of work, and again, particularly in the U.S. this year, to to show the markets that uh, that our assets have a pathway forward, particularly to very near-term production uh, at those past-producing mines
1: in Utah. On your thank you for thank you for that answer. Um. In in your uh, quarterly results uh, document, there's a, a nice diagram that you've got, kind of outlining your strategy, which is, talks about some of the um, long-term call options. And in that, you include Coles Hill um, and Matouche. Um, then you've got a kind of a, the mid-term strategy, which is kind of the M&A, the unpacking, maybe spinning some assets out. Which makes me think that um, as you build your portfolio, you're going to perhaps use some of these as uh trading chips because uh in in the world of junior mining development assets are hungry children you know you can't keep all 15 children or all 19 children alive you've got to sell some off to to develop others um and then in your near term s- suite you've got the Tony M mine and the Daneros and the and the Rim mine um you you just mentioned those all being in Utah that's where you're going to be focusing could you um just kind of outline the kind of the work program for those three and kind of how your your budget is gonna be allocated between the three of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so the majority of our, our budget for the year is on those three assets. We've just finished a drill program at Dineros. Uh, it was part of a larger program, but we finished five holes earlier this year. And uh, the, the core is in the lab right now for assays, and, and we'll have those results back shortly at Tony M. Which is the which is the kind of the biggest of the projects and uh, the project that we recently put an updated forty three one hundred one resource out on. We intend to do a, and that was based on an eight hole program confirmation drill program that we did last year. We're we're in the process of permitting a thirty hole program there and also permitting opening up the underground uh, to go in and do some some sampling. One of the one of the very interesting results out of that report was where the uh, historically the project had never really been looked at, at for its vanadium potential. We, we got values back in our drilling that suggested you could see something on the order of a 3 or 4 to 1 vanadium to uranium ratio at the project, just based on those eight holes that we did. Previously, the the project uh, had not, the, the holes had not been chemically assayed. They'd just been, been probed, uh, which is a very common technique, particularly in, in the U.S., so there's an opportunity for us to go back in and, uh, and whether it's through new drilling, whether it's underground sampling, test that vanadium potential. And it's, it could be quite a significant addition if you're talking, you know, we have 8.8 million pounds in both the indicated and inferred category of uranium at that project. If, you, if you're talking about three or four to one ratio, you could be talking about sort of 25 to 35 million calves of vanadium at ten dollars a pound or thereabouts today uh that could be a significant uh, value increase for that project and all of this is setting us up for making a product a go back into production decision and the and you know i'll i'll, I'll, I'll go on about Tony M because there's a lot to say but Tony M was yep. one of the past producing mines in the last cycle tremendous amount of infrastructure there 18 miles of underground development was put in about 50 million dollars was spent in the eighties by consumer's power on the project. Surface infrastructure, $15 million was spent by Denison and the mine and a million pounds were taken out of this mine. All of the permits are, are in good standing such that we could bring it back into production very, very quickly for a low amount of additional capital, because, you know, as I just pointed out, it's a fully developed mine with all the surface infrastructure. So there aren't big capital projects. It's really a working capital issue. Go in caught with contract miners, take the ore out and send it to the mill for processing.
1: You you talk about measured and indicated resources. Um when you say 8.8 million pounds is that combined? Is that the That's combined. It's about two two
0: thirds and indicated and a third and inferred. But there there's 1.5 million feet of drilling on this project. This was this is a very very well drilled very well understood uh project resource.
1: So so is that 1. point, whatever it is 1.5 million feet is that included into that resource calculation or is it yes. kind of um yes. okay, got it. Yes. So we
0: so and sorry just to just to kind of carry on from that we drilled eight whole eight confirmation holes, which allowed the uh, SLR who were the authors of the independent technical report to then go and rely on those historic results as part of their resource calculation.
1: With the vanadium assays, you must. I mean that that changes the economics of this of of the resource entirely. No, well not entirely, but I mean significantly. You, you're going to have a uh, a different. Uh, revenue split between the old concept of 100% uranium with potentially some vanadium kicker to actually well, let's do the economics on this. Let's do the studies. This might be 50-60 or two-thirds, one-third, or whatever the mix is. So there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a kind of a, a well-defined split between vanadium potential and uranium potential.
0: Absolutely, and and the important thing to point out about that, is because there's lots of projects around the world that would have uranium or whatever the main commodity is plus some byproducts. But can you actually recover that byproduct? We're sending we're sending all of our ore to the White Mesa Mill, which uh, which is owned by Energy Fuels. It has a vanadium circuit. It recovers vanadium from these deposits historically, and, and it can and and it can recover it from this deposit. So we can actually achieve value value for those uh, those by, that byproduct credit if indeed we can prove it up through the additional work that we're planning to do this year.
1: Okay, so you've got underground development, you've got surface development, and you've got toll-treating arrangement through energy fuels, who presumably are still a 19.9% shareholder. um, Yeah, they're around
0: 17% right now, but yes, they're still a major shareholder.
1: Major shareholder. So um, what's the timeline and the... What's the timeline to actually starting production? Because that that would that's a game changer, surely for the company.
0: Well, we believe it is, and and so the timeline is dependent on a few different things. So there's the stuff that we can control, which is how fast could we move it into production if we hit the button today? And we're really talking about three to six months, and it's a function of the permits all being in place, the development done. Where where you know we do have some work to activate those permits. We have to open up the uh, the, the the portals. We have to get in to see see what the state of the underground workings are. We believe they're in good shape, but people haven't been down there for for quite some time. Hire a contract miner and get going. So on our side, we think that's a three to six month exercise. On the other side, you know we do need a higher uranium price. So okay, so f- full stop. We're not going to do it at today's price at fifty dollars uranium. We're not opening this mine. I'll be very clear about that. And then on the other side, the, the mill itself is not is not operating for fresh ore at the moment. And so we need energy fuels to make that decision to, to turn the mine on. And uh, their guidance in their in their latest quarterly was, it's not going to happen this year. So my, in my estimation, it's a 2024 exercise to turn the mill back on. But that timing works really well with what we're doing. We're not rushing things. And, and, and you pointed out the economic study. We do plan to do a PA on this project. So once we've completed that, drill program and some of the underground work will take all of that information and all the current uh, quotes around contract mining, shipping, etc., and, and put together a, a, a PEA so we can really understand the economics of the project and what that uranium price we do require to, to, to bring it back, to put back in production is.
1: Have you got a timeline for that PEA?
0: So we haven't engaged anyone to do it yet. My goal and what I'm telling the team internally is I want to have that out by the end of the year.
1: What, what are you talking about in terms of grade for uh vanadium and for the uranium
0: so the uranium comes in at about 0.28 percent u308 which actually ranks it as one of the highest undeveloped or sorry the highest uranium project grades outside of the athabasca basin uh that that's a, you know with the global average i think increasingly again outside of the athabasca basin is 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 sitting sub 0.1 at 0.28 percent in a are three times higher and then you would, and, and then if you look at the vanadium grade, and again, this is all indicative. We have to do the work to prove this up, but the early indications are a sort of three or four to one ratio of vanadium to uranium. So call it point nine one percent vanadium. Again, which would be very high grade for vanadium on its own on a on a, on a world scale.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um... And, and those ratios, those ratios are are very. Um, consistent with what we see in this part of the world.
1: Well, that'll that'll be a value catalyst for the company, surely.
0: We we absolutely be- believe so, and it was and it kind of came out of the blue. It wasn't something that we were expecting, but because we did the chemical assays for the first time on this project, we got information that uh, that that previous operators didn't have.
1: And for energy fuels to restart the White Mesa mill, what uh, they say they're looking for 2024 is, is that contingent on. Uh, availability of material, or is it a uranium price expectation that they're working on there?
0: So, um, I mean, I think it's nuanced. It's got those those questions for sure are part of their their decision matrix. Um, the availability of material. I can tell you that you know Energy Fuels is working on a co- developing some of their conventional assets, whether it's the cell Complex or at uh, at the pinion um, project in in Arizona. Those projects are getting ready to be able to deliver feed to to the mill. They have some stockpiles at the mill right now from some other sources, and then they're definitely looking at our mines as potential feed. And so together, we would we would look to be able to provide that, circa hundred thousand tons of ore that's required that they would like to see in order to start the mill up. Price again would be a consideration for them. They have been entering contracts for uh, with with utilities to deliver new new material. And, and those contracts start to feather in around. Uh, some of it would be, a small amount would be this year, 2024, 2025. So that's, so, so you know, we're starting to get close to that point where, uh, where I think they would make that decision. But again, I think pricing will, will play a key role in, in that decision matrix. And, and then some of the other things they're doing at the Bell. Right now, they're very focused uh, and, and working extremely hard on, on doing rare earth separation at the Mill and uh, having, making great strides on that front. And so there, there's a there's a dynamic of, of you know you can only you can only do one or the other at the earths or uranium. And so uh, there's a lot of different uh, different factors that will go into their their decision.
1: And the 30 drill holes that you're going to be doing this in, during the course of this year, when when might you start that? Presumably you've got to get your permits to drill that. Are you thinking this is something that'll happen in the second half of the year?
0: I think sooner than that. I think we should be in there before the end of the this the second quarter. The I I have to sign some papers just now for the uh, for the for the put the permit in, but we permitted last year's program and and we have no reason to think that there's gonna it's gonna take very long to get the permits complete. So I would say we're starting that program in the next two to three months.
1: And that will principally be to corroborate the understanding of the vanadium relationship with the uranium because the uranium, as you said, is well drilled.
0: Correct, and 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 a little bit of extensional drilling. We we think we have most of the deposit already covered, of course, by that tremendous amount of historic drilling. But there's a few areas where we where we see potential to expand, uh, but largely to to just go see if that that vanadium uh,
1: uh, those those vanadium values are consistent across the orbite. Good, thank you. I feel as if I understand the situation at Tony M much better now. Um, Next, um, Daneros. Yes. Or Daneros. Daneros, yes. Daneros. It sounds like something out of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, tonight. that's right. Well, um, Dineros
0: is is a fascinating project. I mean, it's it's completely different than 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 Tony M, in the sense that, and it's a very typical style of of mineralization down in this in this part of the world, higher, high, even higher grade than uh, than Tony M by historic standards at point three, and in some cases higher. But these are very where where Tony M is, is flat line and 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 quite expansive. These ore bodies tend to pinch and swell, and you kind of have to chase them. So, our our we, we did some work on, on drilling just now, and we'll, again, I said we'll have some re- some results of from that. But but the the next step with the is really just to open it up and start mining. It's a it's dry. It can be mined with a very small team. And I believe the last time they mined it, they had half a dozen people at the project. It's not a tremendous amount of of work or or people. Or infrastructure required to turn to turn it on, and um, so so as part of our, you know, we we won't go ahead and do a PA on on there. Also think that when the when the time is right, particularly as the market looks right and and the mill is getting closer to being opened, we'll just go in with some contract miners, and we may do. You know, one of the interesting things about these kinds of mines, say versus in situ projects or or much bigger projects, is you can go in and and kind of batch them so. Even even energy fuels had a uh, they had a, a a test mining study done where it was go in and take ten thousand tons out of it and then send it to the ore you can kind of turn it on and off and so you can respond to the market very very quickly if you have an in situ project once you start pumping licks of it into that deposit you can't just stop you have to keep going and then and the, and not even to mention the remediation that had to happen at the end of a mine life or if you build a big plant or you build a or you open up a large uh, open pit or underground mine, you've got to keep going. Um, so we think it adds a lot of flexibility to our business plan, particularly if we get some spikes in the uranium price. We can pull quite high grade out ore out of there very very quickly and and send it to the mill. And 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 it's uh, it actually makes we the historic studies show that it makes very good lending ore for some of the other ores in the in the region. It does not have vanadium in it, um, but it is very high grade.
1: Um. You said you're not going to do a PA on it, but you must have an understanding, kind of an internal thought about what kind of uranium price would uh, get you guys um, sharpening your pencils and and um, calling up the mining contractors. Uh, what is that uranium price? Look, I
0: think realistically, it has to be sixty-five, seventy dollars for us to to think about turning this on. And 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 you know, it's it's kind of uh, we've got to understand. A lot of it's going to be shipping costs, mining costs, and some of the inputs around that. We know inflationary pressure has come into all of mining, and it w- won't be unique to these projects. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that's why there's a very big disconnect between the current price and what price all mines need, uranium mines particularly, to to get into production. But so for us, definitely sixty-five to seventy uh, is is the kind of level that we're going to need to see to turn turn this mine on and and, and likely Tony M as well.
1: It's funny, isn't it, that that word disconnect? It kind of keeps coming back. I see it in in all of these critical minerals conversations, the disconnect between the amount of capital available for um, the br- battery projects and yet the amount of capital that's available for junior mining. But it's particularly the case in uranium because it, it's so rare to find a, an entire sector uh, where... So many projects just don't work at metal prices. Current metal prices, and you know, you're not alone by suggesting that we you need an uranium price of 65 or 70 dollars. You can you can point to almost every uranium project around the world, which needs that. Um, do, yeah, do you, look, does I, that? I does think that worry you?
0: I mean, it 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 actually does not worry, worry me. I mean, we've built this, we've built consolidated for torque to the uranium price, and I believe that's coming. I think it should worry the utilities, quite frankly, because. I think that 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 they're living off this fallacy of that this price is the price, and and they're going to get unlimited amount of production at these prices. Yes, there are some amazing projects around the world that can make money at current prices, um, but that is not the case for the for the the marginal for amount of production that's required. But but even even deeper into the cost curve than that, and and then I think if if you use history as a guide, uranium mines have underperformed consistently so if you sit if you sit around as a utility or even an analyst or or anyone looking at the space and you say oh here are all the mines that are going to come into production and here's all the production that they're going to deliver over this timetable those numbers are all going to be wrong we're going to underperform we're going to deliver less material over less time and and so if if you plug those into your into your supply models and go okay we're balanced and and we're in a fine position you're going to be wrong and so uh, those those factors will come home to roost, and and that's what we saw in, the, in that bull market of oh five oh six oh seven, and and once price starts to move, it can move very very quickly, and these utilities will ultimately have to chase those much higher prices and sign contracts at levels that are required to to either get these mines up and running or keep them running.
1: So you've you've effectively got that talk through two routes. One is you've got mines that can be turned on quickly, kind of almost like turnkey mines albeit on very small volumes i mean i, I haven't even spoken about the volume at Daneros, but it's probably small
0: very small i mean we'll, we'll, we'll produce we could produce and based on this is based on historic production rates we could produce two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand pounds out of Daenerys a year so you're right this is not this is not you know globally significant production but i think you nailed it rowan is we can be very very quick to market with that material between tony Daneros, and rim mine which we haven't touched on yet um I think we can do a million to a million two five million pounds per year out of those three mines when if, when they're all up and running.
1: And then then the other element of talk is that uh, uh, when when the the uranium price is running and everyone's like, oh, I've got to find some uranium projects. That's when you can um, uh, leverage your uh, your kind of the the your ta- your portfolio tail, should we say?
0: No, absolutely, and that's entirely how we've constructed it. And and and. You know, you you talked about those long term call options and and what we have in Coles Hill and Matouche are two very unique ore bodies. One at Coles Hill, as I talked about, is the largest undeveloped project in the US. And the US has become becoming every day strategically more important as a place for domestic uranium production where it's going to be required to feed that big fleet that they have and provide, you know, security of supply internally to the country. And then we have the Matouche project in Quebec, which is you know, when we talk about Tony M being high-grade at 0.28%, the in the indicated category, it's 0.96% U308. That that actually ranks it as in maybe the highest, if not the top three highest-grade undeveloped projects in the world outside of the Athabasca Basin. It's a, tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous opportunity. Both of those projects currently have hurdles to moving them forward and not dissimilar to lots of uranium projects around the world, which are... Which can be hot button projects, but if we can unlock those hurdles and make some progress particularly on the premium front or the social acceptance front as as the case is in in Quebec, it's tremendous value to unlock in
1: those assets. Good, well, let's talk about the rim mine because otherwise it'll be the the um it'll feel be, it'll be feeling left out
0: yeah look rim uh, Rim is, is is more of an analog to Daenerys, although it does have vanadium very high grade vanadium at point one eight or sorry one point eight percent. Again, that with Rankit is one of the highest grade vanadium projects on its own, about 0.2% uranium. Um, Vin- Deneros, or sorry, Rim was also in production in the past cycle, has most of the CapEx already into it. There is one work project that we have to do there. The shaft uh, has collapsed. And so we're looking, we're, we're doing some engineering work right now to uh, assess whether rehabbing that is possible or uprimming a new shaft. And we've done a drill program there as well. We think there's exploration potential, and uh, we put out some results uh, last year. This year, we're not planning to do much more work there. Um, it's going to be really the focus is on Tony M, but it's it's sitting again fully permitted and, and ready to go when the time is right.
1: And when you talk about an analog to, um, to Daneros, so and when you talk about let's say production of one to one point two million pounds per annum, it's presumably. Kind of half a million to six hundred thousand from the com- combination of um, Rim and Doneros and then the other fifty percent from Tony M. Exactly. Great. I understand it. I think. I hope. I hope this.
0: <laughs> I hope well, I understand it's, it's it. It's complicated because we've done a lot. We brought a lot of projects into the portfolio. But I think, as you as you talk about that graphic that we put into our our financials uh, for that that Q three, we're trying to illustrate. We're trying to, to show people how what might have looked like a disparate package of assets and again we were opportunistic we were buying things at pennies on the dollar whether it's you know historically what the, what was spent on the project or the market caps of the various entities that held held these assets but now we're tr- now we're morphing into you know, into an, a company that's actually working on its projects and, and we're trying to lead people to water in terms of what the strategy is because i don't think you can really invest in a company where you don't understand what the strategy is so we want to we try to be clear with people and i think uh, I, I think you get it.
1: That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Um, uh, uh, hopefully, if I can learn about it um, and articulate it with you, it'll help the viewers and the listeners uh, learn about it at the same time. Um, the next question I've got is about your shareholder register. Because um, uh, in the uranium space, there are a few well-known uranium funds, uh, and they tend to be kind of have waterfront investments. Are, are they... Present in your shareholder register. I mean, have you got the list of kind of the the, the ten or so funds that uh, everybody knows about? Yeah, absolutely.
0: They've they've all participated in in financing. So so since inception of the company, we've raised about fifty million dollars uh, in equity financings, and we're talking going back to twenty twenty now. And uh, along the way, you know, all of the ones that I think you're talking about uh, have invested, and 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 in many cases, they've they've participated in multiple rounds, if not all of the rounds. The ones that we can mention that are, are disclosed uh, would be Mega Uranium. And uh, they were one of the cornerstone founding shareholders. They have actually vended assets into the company. And, uh, and there's a fund called Sachem Cove. And they're a very well-known uh, uranium investor. Again, just dis- disclosed on our register. Um, and then the rest of the, the group. And so it's investors in the US, in, in Europe, in Australia. Canada, of course, uh, who, who have all participated in in the company and uh, and supported us from from day zero.
1: What's the uh, kind of the 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 breakdown? More or less, you've got seventeen percent with the energy fuels. What's institutions, management, and then retail or other? So I think the last
0: that the last count management had sort of five six percent. Um, energy fuels at seventeen. I would say, you know, institutional investors would get you up to sort of fifty to sixty percent and then the balance would be would be
1: retail. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you. Um and um what price was the last capital raise at and how much cash you've got left?
0: So we, we raised uh twenty million dollars at the end of twenty twenty one at two sixty five a share. And right now we're sitting on about fifteen, sixteen million dollars.
1: Your budget so I am just looking through the work program that you've got for twenty twenty three presumably is a fraction of that or a um, not a dominant portion of that. Yeah,
0: so we are we'll spend about 5 million dollars in the US this year and uh and probably a million to 2 million on our other projects and then corporate
1: costs. Probably somewhere in the range of kind of 9 to 10 million dollars kind of total expenditure for the or maybe a bit less for the maybe a bit less but but in that in that in that Thank you. Now, the, so uh, I think you mentioned either was in the interview or in the pre-talk about it being kind of a buying opportunity with um, the share price where it is relative to the past 12 months. What would you say to someone who said, well, I can just come back and buy it in a, in a, in a, you know, if the trajectory continues, I could just come back in a few months and buy it at a, um, it'll probably be at a lower price.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, there, there, I I would say that there's a number of catalysts for the company. Um, and I think we just articulated a number of them that have to do with the the projects themselves, you know, what we don't know, what we don't know for sure is, you know, how they, how the results from those programs might impact the share price. I think, in you know, where we're sitting in the in the market today, it's really a momentum market. It's less, it's less about what one individual company, what activity a company is doing specifically. Other than, for example, if you've you've make a brand new discovery in the Athabasca Basin, you can disconnect from the group. Um, but I think. I think that you know, if you're a believer in in the uranium market, a, a, as we are, and I you know, I I don't see much downside in the price itself. It seems to be quite resilient. Uranium price that is seems to be quite resilient in, in testing this fifty dollar level. I do see a tremendous amount of upside potential. Um, I've never been able to call exactly when that potential is going to be realized, and and I'm I'm certainly not going to be right if I if I if I tell you. But I do think that. I think that we can get back to sixty dollars before the end of the year, and I think that's a pretty conservative uh, statement that that I think will be will be proven out. The stocks will rise, and then it's about then and and and, and ultimately what I've always been been thinking about what ha- needs to happen in this market because we have seen a lot of new names created in the uranium space, and 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 a lot of names that, quite frankly are we're following we're chasing a a trend and and it's and it's a perfectly perfectly acceptable business model and it happens in mining time and time again and some of those people chasing the business model can be the real the real stories but ultimately there will be a washout in the space and so you need to be a stock picker you need to go where you think there's you know management team that knows what they're doing assets that will deliver value um and and i think quite frankly we're, we're sitting based on our portfolio relative to our peers, we're at a big discount to our peers, even though we've performed relatively in line with them on, a, on an equity value. I, I don't think that it's reflective of you know, the, the strength of the portfolio of assets that we put together and, and the pathways that we have to drive to move those assets forward and, and recognize that value. So I think there's a potential, and whether it happens today or, or next month, I can't, be, I, I, I can't be sure of that, but I think it's when, when the market does move, I think not only will we trade in line with the other uranium names, but I think we have all of the potential to outperform, you know, a good subset of them. Particularly because of how much leverage we have to the uranium price. If the uranium price is moving, we unlock so much more value in our portfolio than than some of the other companies because of how big it is and because of the torque that we have, particularly in that uh, that that back end of the portfolio. Oh well, and as you point out in the front end, because we can deliver material very quickly into the market if it does if it does spike.
1: And you've got the cash as well, too, so you're not. Um boxed into a corner like so many other junior companies are this year.
0: Correct. Absolutely. And there's of shareholders who will back us uh, e- even if 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 that was the circumstance. Philip,
1: thank you very much. It's been a, a real pleasure getting to know the company better. Um, good luck with the year ahead.
0: Thank you. Really great to talk to you, Merle.